Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the cloth and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code. And you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. Happy Thursday, Calvin. How are you doing? Happy Thursday, Barry. I'm doing well. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing all right here. We got a jam-packed show for you guys today. We're going to recap the Boston Celtics. Game 5 victory over the Miami Heat yesterday. We're going to talk about uh, the coaching search in L.A., should the Nets think about trading Kevin Durant? The Kings are rumored to be moving up in the NBA draft. The Knicks want to move up as well. And then we're going to end the show with a Thursday preview and Q&A with you guys, the fans. Shout out to everybody watching. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you hit that like button and that subscribe button and that little notification bell so you get notified every time Calvin and I put out a new video Calvin, you ready to jump into the show here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So another interesting night of NBA basketball. Yesterday on Wednesday, Boston heads to Miami for game five. They end up winning this game 93-80. to Jalen Brown leads all scorers with 25 points in this game. And uh, Miami didn't really show up here in the second half. It, it almost appeared as someone uh, stole their mojo. Uh, Kyle Lowry ends with zero points in this game. Jimmy Butler with just 13. Bam Adebayo with 18. Still no Tyler Hero for the Miami Heat. Boston wins 93-80. Calvin, what are your thoughts on the game? I mean, Miami just cannot buy a basket. A lot of it, you know, we got to give credit to Boston. and They played better defense. They played a better second half. Um, but Miami's missing wide open shots. I mean, they're, they're desperately missing Tyler Hero at this point. They really cannot buy a bucket. Victor Oladipo airballs two wide open threes in a row yesterday. I mean, some of this is Boston's giving credit to what Boston is doing, but a lot of this is Miami just completely is falling apart offensively. Yeah. Shout out to Mike. I see you here in the chat. What up, Mike? The Mavs are playing today. Uh, I know you missed the last couple shows, uh, so happy to have you here today. And, uh, you know, at the end of the show, we'll give our predictions. Uh, you should like them, so uh, make sure you stick around for that. Um, but, yeah, you know, Miami seemed to play well in the first half of this game. Uh, and then the third quarter, especially, and the fourth quarter, they just couldn't make a bucket. Yeah. It's a... Uh, 
it's kind of similar. I keep I keep trying to compare these two series together, you know, between the Warriors and the Mavs and the Celtics and the Heat. It seems like whoever shoots well wins the game. But just Miami just cannot buy a bucket from three-point range. P.J. Tucker, 1 for 5. Jimmy Butler, 1 for 5. Kyle Lowry, 0 for 6. Matt Struess, 0 for 7. Uh, and then Gabe Vincent, 1 for 7 as well. Victor Oladipo, 0 for 3. Duncan Robinson, 3 for 10. They're dying by the three right now, Calvin. They are. I mean, the team was 7 of 45 from three. That's 15%. You can't win many games. First of all, attempting 45 threes in a game is a lot, but uh, you can't win very many games if you're only going to hit 15% of them. Yeah. Are you attributing this more to Boston's defense or Miami's lock, lack of offense at this point? Um, overall for the series, I would say it's more Boston's defense. But in this particular game, Again, yes, you got to give credit to the Boston Celtics. They they played uh, a much better game, and then the second half they really turned it up. Um, when it was a close game, you know, in a series tied two-two, it was pretty much up for grabs at halftime. Boston came out and they they wanted it more in the second half. But um, in this particular game, uh, it's more so that Miami just they they look like a shell of themselves. I mean the team that we saw all year long that earned the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, that was not that team last night. I, I don't know if it's injuries are really starting to creep in uh, and settle in on this team. I mean, Jimmy Butler does not look like the same player. Kyle Lowry has not looked like the same player either. And they weren't, we already know they were missing Tyler Hero for two straight games. So yep. for this individual game, it's more that Miami just completely fell apart, I would say. Yeah, I agree. And, and the, the most disappointing fact about this is this was a home game for Miami, right? And yeah. we expected them to shoot better at home. They've shot horribly in the past few games. Some of that could be missing Tyler Hero. Some of that could be injuries, you know, Jimmy Butler's knee. We saw Jason Tatum go down with an injury in this game. He continued to play. I think he played 44 minutes in this game, uh, which is quite incredible for him. But yeah, I think Boston's healthier at this point. And they're on a roll here. Uh, I think that they might be winning this series now. You know, it's not over. It's 3-2. Um, but the next game is in Boston. If I'm Miami, I might be uh, starting to get a little worried here. Yeah, yeah, you're more than a little worried. I mean, you have to go back to Boston now for a closeout game six, an elimination game. Um, and if you're Miami, you, you haven't played anywhere near close to what you're capable of for a couple of games, maybe even three games now. Let's talk a little bit about Kyle Lowry here. You know, Kyle missed a bunch of games uh, in the NBA playoffs here with a hamstring injury. Tried to come back against Philadelphia. The Heat lose two straight games. He ends up, uh, you know, resting more. He's back now. He's had, you know, I think one decent game in this series. But last night was just awful for him. 25 minutes, didn't make a single shot. Zero points, one rebound, three turnovers, and five personal fouls. He seems to be slow on every single step, right? Like he can't keep up with the defender. He's not making shots. Or sorry, with, with, uh, with the offensive player, he can't make shots. Is he hurting his team at this point? It's tough to say those words, actually. Um, you know, it's kind of like hate is a strong word. Um, but 
it, he he has hurt them in the playoffs. Uh, it, whether he is hurt, the only one hurting them right now, I don't know. I think this is more of a team thing than just a Kyle Lowry thing. Um, but he he has definitely hurt them in the postseason. Uh, more so, I would say, in the Philadelphia series. He, he's not being productive at all right now. Um, but there's plenty of blame to go around, unfortunately, for Miami. It, it's not just that Kyle Lowry uh, is the weak point or the, the weak chain in the link. Um, and Boston is just continuing to go at him over and over and over again. They can't get much production from anybody right now. Yeah, it's it's tricky. You know, as a player, you always want to play, right? And no matter how injured you are, you're going to try and go out there and give your all. Obviously, in my opinion, he's hurting the team more than he's helping them at this point. But I might be looking towards the coaching staff towards that, right? Like, players always want to play, right? And if you're the manager or you're the coach of this team, maybe it's on you that you're continuing to throw this guy out there when he is is not himself. He's not healthy. And sometimes you need to protect players from themselves. Uh, Normally, we we talk about that in, in, you know, reference to further injuring yourself. I don't think that Kyle Lowry will further injure himself at this point, but he seems to be injuring the team at this point. So how much of this is on Kyle? How much is this is on Spo? Uh, well, I don't think you can really put a lot of it on Eric Spolster, right? I, I mean, especially for the last two games, because Tyler Hero hasn't been available. That's a guy that plays, you know, probably close to 30 minutes a game in a, in a playoff game for this team and they don't have him. Um, so that means the rotation is automatically shorter and, and you need guys to step up. And Kyle Lowry is a guy, this is one of the reasons they went out and got him, right? For these exact moments. Mm-hmm. Championship experience, uh, you know, the, the floor general, we talked in the last series about how Miami doesn't really have a point guard when he doesn't play. So it, it, he's instrumental in why they were the number one seed this year. He was a big part of that. So you, you, you gotta, if you're Eric Spolster, your hands are kind of tied. I mean, you need to play him and you need him to be productive. He just hasn't been. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really quite unfortunate. But, you know, on the bright side, as an NBA fan, it's kind of exciting seeing teams compete or, or potentially making it to the finals that no one expected to be there except for their relative fan bases, right? Like, you look back to the bubble, right? You had the Lakers and the Heat. Lakers didn't make the playoffs. The Heat could potentially get eliminated here. Last year's NBA finals, you had Milwaukee and Phoenix. Both of those teams have been eliminated. Uh, I think a lot of Warriors fans, right, they they thought their team would be in the NBA Finals this year. But that series is still not done as well. Yes, they have a 3-1 series lead, and they're most likely going to make it here to the Finals. But just to think that it could be Dallas and Boston or Golden State and Boston in the NBA Finals is pretty exciting. And I think that just goes to show that that the league has done a great job in empowering teams to retain guys that they drafted because you look at Golden State and you look at Boston, they pretty much drafted most of these guys. Yes, you would could consider them bigger market teams in Boston and in San Francisco, but it, it just goes to show that if you draft well, your team is really set up for success now. It's it's kind of uh, shifted towards that as opposed to the, the add everybody in free agency and trades to create a super team. Yeah, and, and I mean, Miami, even though uh, 
a lot of those guys they didn't draft, they're showing you a different way to do it, right? They've got, I think it's six undrafted players on their team. Two of them have been starting in the playoffs for multiple, multiple games now at this point. So their team, you know, yes, they brought in guys like PJ Tucker, Kyle Lowry, all that. Um, but th their team is, is built as well as, as opposed to uh, bought, I guess you would say. Yeah. Well, we have uh, game six on Friday. Who you got? I got Boston. Uh, I mean, I said it a couple of games ago, I think, right? They, Miami just doesn't look right to me. I feel that Boston's got the momentum. And uh, I, they're going back home. I think they close this series out. They're, they're the better team when they're healthy. And right now, Miami is dealing with, it looks to be like a few more injury problems than Boston. That's just more advantage to the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I agree. If you're a Coach Spo, what are you saying? What are you telling your team going into game six? And, and what's your game plan to try and get uh, an elimination win on the road? Well, I mean, what you're telling your team is, you know, the same thing that I think pretty much all coaches would say in this situation. We just got to find a way to get one game and then we go back home to Miami for a winner take all, right? Like it's it's not a you're not trying to make it sound like the world is or the sky is falling. Um you're trying to compartmentalize and and get guys to believe that they've got a shot. They can go in. They've already won a game in Boston in the series. Um, so it, it's nothing that they can't do. Uh, they just have to be better offensively. They've got to execute better. They've got to make shots. And I think if you're Eric Spolster, your team was the number one three-point shooting team all year. So you, you've got confidence that your guys can come out and break out of this slump. What I'm more worried about is how healthy is everybody? You know, is Jimmy Butler going to be able to, to give me what I need from Jimmy Butler in an elimination game? That's going to more determine the outcome than anything, I think. Yeah, I agree. Are you sticking with the same game plan here, or are you making some adjustments and trying to get to the basket a little bit more or feed Bam Adebayo inside? Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely like getting Bam the ball more, getting him more opportunities offensively. Uh, but again, when Robert Williams and Al Horford play, we've already talked about how it's been really difficult for Bam to operate in the paint or close to the basket. Um, so <clears throat> I might try to get him involved, excuse me, in more uh, screen and rolls or more like high-low action where you get some backdoor cuts uh, if he has the ball around the, the, the free throw line area. Um, and it, again, trying to spread that floor out, keeping Robert Williams away from the paint so you can get some of those opportunities. Uh, they're definitely going to need him to play big, though. That Everybody's got to step up in a situation like this. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you need a lot more movement on offense. The backdoor cuts are key to me because you start getting to the basket, getting some easy layups, uh, that's going to open up for more wide open threes. But at the same time, you still got to make those shots. So I don't expect do. Miami to lay down in this game. I expect them to be in game six. Um, but it's going to be a tough task to win an elimination game in Boston and force a game seven. Definitely. All right, next up we have on the schedule here, reading today's news, it appears that LeBron James is lobbying for Doc Rivers to be the head coach of the Lakers next season. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, my initial thoughts are, you know, Doc, Doc's a good coach. It makes sense that 
LeBron would a say who he wants. Uh, LeBron doesn't shy away from that stuff anymore, I think. Um, and I, I don't know how uh, how realistic it is. It, you know, would Doc Rivers want to jump ship and and leave to go coach LeBron and the Lakers? Um, I don't know, but it it's unfortunate timing, I would say, if you're the Lakers, especially the guys in the front office, because they've just done their coaching search. They've whittled it down to their their list of finalists. Um, and I don't think Doc Rivers was on that list. So now you've you've got a little bit of a distraction coming from within your organization. Yeah, I guess the Lakers prefer Darvin Ham. LeBron prefers Doc Rivers. It's tough, right? Because you're not going to be able to sign Doc Rivers. He's still under contract with the Sixers. So if you trade for him, you're losing even more assets, right? Maybe it's draft picks, but we've seen the Lakers have been reluctant to include draft picks in this deal to try and get rid of Russell Westbrook and upgrade at that position. Right. So uh, they're in a really tough spot here. You know, if, if I'm on the Lakers, I, I want Phil Jackson to be my coach. I want Greg Popovich to be my coach. I want all these guys yeah. to be my coach, but is it really achievable? We don't really know at this point. No, it certainly seems like a long shot right now. Shout out to Fred. Good to see you. Shout out to Key Kings and Progressive G. Thank you guys all for joining us. Welcome, welcome. We're going to be talking about the Kings here in a second, so make sure you guys stick around for that. Calvin, last thing on Doc Rivers here. If the Lakers were to make a trade for him, what do you think it would take? Oh, geez, I, I'm not sure, but I think you would definitely have to send out a first-round pick. I don't see uh, any way getting around that. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Fred, glad to see you're doing better. That's awesome. Uh, hopefully, you know, you don't get it again. You should be good for a few months now. At least that's yeah. that's what I uh, what I thought as well. Glad so you're feeling better, Fred. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right, next up in the news. I was thinking about this earlier this morning, Calvin, and, and you and I have talked about, you know, what's going on with the Nets? What are they going to do next season? What's going on with Kyrie Irving and, and all this stuff? If you look at that Nets roster, who's their biggest trade chip? Kevin Durant, right? We've heard the rumors about L.A. and Phil Jackson saying we should trade LeBron because he, you know, you can get more back for him than a guy like Russell Westbrook. I could see a similar situation with the Nets and also the fact that KD seems to be the only one on that roster that wants Kyrie there, right? So if you trade Kyrie, you could potentially be pissing off Kevin Durant and maybe he's he's not in it. Um, so I want to hear your thoughts. Should the Nets try and work a deal for KD um, or what would you do if you were them? What I would do if I was them is not trade Kevin Durant. Um, <clears throat> the the package that I would need to get in return, if I'm really going to trade a guy like Durant or LeBron, um, it would be the most unbelievable trade package that anyone's ever seen. These guys are just so incredibly valuable, and especially for the Nets. Like, he's one of the only guys that really – was available and produced for them last year. Yeah, he did miss a, f a bunch of games as well with an injury, but he was by far and away their best, the best thing that they had all year long. And if I trade Kevin Durant, say I get some crazy 
deal in return, I'm still now relying on Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. I, I like my chances with Kevin Durant far better than the, than the other route. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, they're in a tough situation. And Progressive G, I, I think Doc Rivers has actually been traded twice, right? I think the Clippers traded for him from Boston, and I think the Sixers traded for him as well from uh, the Clippers. So pretty interesting there. Um, the it dude is, is unusual to see. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Yeah, the dude is valuable, I guess. I, I don't know why, but uh, I'm a Kings fan. What do I know, right? All right, next up, let's talk a little bit about the Sacramento Kings here. Um, we were talking about rumors yesterday that the Kings are interested in moving up to pick number two. You mentioned to me that it could potentially already be a done deal. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, well, if the rumor is true that the deal is already done, uh, that is surprising to me. I think it's I think it's great, though. Um, you know, Monty McNair is, is being ultra aggressive here, if this is really the case. And it, I don't see how it could be a bad move. They really need a power forward. Um, I, I've said it before. I still wish that they would go after more of a, a win-now type player. Uh, but depending on how you fill out this roster, if you can somehow make a deal to nab one of the top two prospects in this draft who happen to play uh, you know, the power forward position most likely in the NBA, then that's a big win for Sacramento. Yeah, I like I like Chet Holmgren a lot. Uh, you know, I've been watching his highlights a little bit. I, I know there's some concerns. Seven foot tall, he's less than 200 pounds. Maybe he needs to bulk up. I love the defense from him. I love the rebounding. Um, you know, I, I love the scoring. He could definitely be a, a big addition to the Sacramento Kings. And not only his impact on the court, but the impact to the fan base, right? You, you look at a lot of these Kings fans, some of us feel so demoralized that we've just missed the playoffs over and over and over again. And it's not even the pressure we put on ourselves, but it's the pressure we get from other fan bases, right? That just kind of dismiss us or dismiss our team because we've been bad for so long. We screwed it up with number two with Marvin Bagley. I'm just gonna put that out there. But I think Monty has drafted well in his two years in Sacramento. And uh, I think moving up and potentially taking a guy like Chet Holmgren could help re-energize the team. It could re-energize the fan base. And uh, I think it could be a good move for Sacramento. On the other side of that coin, the team that has the number two pick is the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? So if you're the Thunder, you already have all these draft picks in the world. Why the hell would you want to trade pick number two to add more draft picks? Uh, well, it would probably be to add a player, first of all, right? Like, they, that's the thing, the great spot that Oklahoma City is in. They are the only team that can afford to, to trade out of the top two or three because they have so many picks, they can jump right back in to the top five if they wanted um, or, it, or use that next year in a draft class that is probably going to be rated a little bit higher than it is this year. Maybe they try to jump, you know, all the way to number one or two in next year's draft. I also saw an article today saying that the Knicks are interested in moving up to take Jaden Ivey, which is projected to go to Sacramento at pick number four right now. So if the Kings are moving up to pick number two, that most likely means the Thunder 
are moving down to pick number four. And then the Knicks want to move up. I think they have 11. They want to move up from 11 to four. Maybe it includes a guy like Julius Randle, uh, who, who they have not been fully committed on, and some more draft picks. So it, it's an interesting situation here, not only for the Knicks and for the Kings, but just for the Thunder for me, right? Like uh, this team, what are you doing here? Are, are you the new Sixers where you just keep hitting the reset button every year and, and trading the guys? Like you have all these draft picks. I think that the top three, four picks in this year's draft are going to be studs. If you're the Thunder, you need some more talent on your roster. Are you better off with a guy like Julius Randle and maybe the 11th pick and, and an extra pick next year? Or are you better off staying at two or staying at four? It's a hard question to answer. Um, but, you know, I, I would say if you have an opportunity to get a player like Julius Randle and you still are, are going to be picking it within the lottery, technically, you know, if you move all the way down to 11, that's a big win for a team that's got a ton of draft picks and some good young players too. Like they, they would have, that might be the better route for them to go just because these, the players at the top of this class are expected to be really good players. Um, but again, taking longer to develop, maybe some guys that there's no elite elite prospect in this draft or a franchise changing guy day one in this draft. So, being able to nab a guy like Julius Randle, who's already proven himself in the league, might be a good option for them. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. And maybe a guy that can help, uh, you know, motivate and push these younger guys because they have a lot of young talent on that roster. Dabrab's got an interesting point here. Do you think Davion Mitchell would be included in the number two pick deal? That makes me think, Calvin, if you got pick four and you're moving up to two, what's it going to take? Does it take a protected yeah. pick next year? Does it take Davion Mitchell? Does it take uh, Dante DiVincenzo? What do you think it really takes to move up from pick four to pick two? Uh, that's a, a good question. I, I mean, it, it really all depends on what Oklahoma City wants, I guess, right? Like, it, it's a very hard thing to predict. But if I'm looking at Oklahoma City's roster, they've got a decent number of guards, especially their starting backcourt should already be set. So that maybe makes me think that they would want, uh, you know, somebody like Harrison Barnes or even Rashawn Holmes instead. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if I were to look at it from their perspective and, and maybe you, you think that pick number two is not going to work out, you know, you're not getting your guy. Maybe you want to take a gamble on a guy like Shaden Sharp because you have the potential to do that. Maybe he could fill in, uh, you know, that, that wing spot for you. If I'm looking at Sacramento and I'm looking at a team that's been bad as long as Sacramento has been, I might be happy with the fourth pick and maybe a top 10 or top five protected pick next year. Um, we've just yeah. seen Oklahoma City seems to value picks more than players at this point. And you're right. Maybe next year their plan is to trade up to pick number one or something like that. And having additional draft capital will help them do that. But uh, it's all rumors at this point. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, as a Kings fan, you know, I, I'm open to moving up to pick number two. I don't know if I want to give up Davion Mitchell to make it happen. But uh, I, I'm definitely listening, and I'm, I'm trying to be aggressive. And, and I love what Monty's doing here. He said he was going to be aggressive this offseason. That's exactly what we're hearing right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is... This is great news, I think, if you're a Kings fan so far. What actually 
ends up happening here, you know, that will, time will tell uh, to see whether or not it ends up being a good move ultimately. But we, as a Kings fan, you've wanted to hear this, these words or these types of things for a long, long time. The Kings being aggressive, trying to move up in the draft, trying to go after the better, uh, you know, draft picks in the class or be aggressive by trade, trying to get a, a win now player. Uh, th this is swinging for the fences, right? Like that's, that's what Sacramento needs. Exactly. Exactly. Progressive G wants to know, do you prefer Sabonis as a power forward or a center? Um, I think I don't really care what position he plays. It's more so who are you pairing him with in the, and how are you using him in, in the offense? Who are you pairing him with at, at that other position? I, I don't believe, although I've seen a lot of stuff on Instagram about Sabonis working out and, and trying to become a better outside shooter this year. Uh, he's working with a new shooting coach, things like that. Those are all good. Um, we heard that about De'Aaron Fox, too, over the past couple of years, right? And he yep. hasn't really proved that much with his outside shot. So I, I like Sabonis to play as more of a back-to-the-basket type player and then add a guy that can stretch the floor to go alongside him. It doesn't really matter to me whether or not one's the power forward and one is the center, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. He... And, you know, more size is what the Kings have needed. They need rebounding. They need skilled big men. Uh, I think Sabonis is one. And, and I also see a couple of those at the top of this draft. As Fred says, either way, we're going to get a player, which is what's yeah. it's so exciting for us Kings fans. So uh, good, positive things moving forward. Last question from Mike. Thoughts on Sabonis, Holmgren, and Fox defensively? Uh, well, look, Chad Holmgren has excellent defensive potential, right? Great rim protection, really good timing. Uh, he's a fantastic shot blocker. So that is a good thing. As far as how the rest of them fit in together, you know, that's a, a big question mark at this point. Um, De'Aaron Fox, we talked about it all last season. The, the guy could be, he has the ability and the talent to be one of the better two-way players in the entire NBA. But that just hasn't materialized yet in his career. And, and a lot of it comes down to just effort and, and wanting to do it night in and night out on the defensive side of the ball. So it, it's, it's up to these guys. I think they, have, they would have a, a potential to be a much better defensive team drafting a guy like Holmgren who gives them great uh, rim protection, which is something that the Kings haven't really had in a long time. But, but again, it... They've got to get through training camp. They've got to work things out as a team. And, and it takes all five guys on the court to be a good defensive team. Ask Miami, ask Boston. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. One last question from me, Calvin. And I, this is a tough one on you, so if you don't want to answer it, I, I completely <laughs> understand. I'm putting you, you know, in the spotlight here. But as a Kings fan, I like to think ahead. And Fox, Mitchell... Barnes, Sabonis, Holmgren. What potential seed could this team be next season? Ooh, man. Well, if they're able to nab Chet Holmgren and keep all of those other guys, that's a great start. Uh, like, I, I would kind of envision them having to get rid of Harrison Barnes, maybe. Uh, but if you're able to keep him, 
that's a really good start. So it, it is tough to answer. I think they'd have a really good shot at being a playoff team, an eighth seed, a seventh seed, something like that. Uh, just the big question mark right now is how much better are the other teams? Yep. We talked about this before, you know, that fell in that seven to 10 range this year. How much better do those teams get next year? New Orleans was the ninth seed this season, but they had a much better second half ever since they ended up getting CJ McCollum. I have to feel like they're going to win more than 36 games next year, especially if Zion is healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, do the Clippers win more games next year with a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Probably, I, I would have to bet. Do the Lakers improve? Spurs going to be next year. Yeah. So it it could be tough still for Sacramento to crack that spot, but I think they would have a pretty good chance. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What's up, Stephen? Good to see you here in the chat. Thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, Dabrab says the Blazers yeah. could could get better. The Lakers could get better. <laughs> Fred says let's first get to the playoffs. Yeah, Fred. Uh, I think we're all excited, but uh, you know. The offseason is just getting started. A lot of exciting news already for Sacramento, right? And getting head coach, winning or moving up in the draft lottery. Now they're talking about trading up in the draft. So a lot of positive things happening. Uh, Monty is definitely not sitting back and just watching and seeing what happens at this point. He's being aggressive. And I think that's exactly, exactly what the Kings need. So I, I am very excited. Yeah, definitely. Back on the, the Jaden Ivy Knicks thing, what do you think about this fit? You know, because the Knicks have been kind of uh, forced into this, uh, you know, hard-headed, defensive-minded culture with Coach Tibbs. Does, does Jaden Ivy fit on that team? What does he bring to New York? Uh, Jaden Ivy definitely seems like uh, one of Tibbs's favorite guys automatically right i mean a guy that works really really hard plays the a tough physical style of defense at the guard spot super athletic um it, it seems like it would be a match made in heaven uh and look the knicks need if they're gonna keep julius randall then they need to get better in the backcourt the evan fournier experiment the kemba walker experiment was not a good one last year um, so it, going out and, and getting a guard or trading up to get a guard makes a lot of sense here. And if the Kings do move up to two, you know, there's no sure thing that they take um, Chet, right? They could take Banchero from Duke. Does he fit better with the Kings in Sabonis? Um, I do like the way that he fits on this team. He is definitely that type of big man that would be able to, to stretch the floor, space the floor, uh, very skilled, you know, a good outside shooter or reasonably good outside shooter, um, good ball handler. He could work himself into being a better passer, I think, and he could probably learn a lot from Sabonis. Uh, but the knock on him is on the defensive side of the ball. And, and that's what scares me about taking a guy for a Kings team that is so bad defensively with that high a pick. Yep, yep, I agree. Thank you guys for all your questions. Key Kings, I see you there. Uh, we're going to just finish up the Thursday preview before we jump into Q&A and answer all your questions. So if you guys have any more questions, keep posting them in the chat. We're going to give a preview of today's game real quick, and then we will come right back to all those questions. All right, Calvin. So it's Thursday, and uh, we're going to get to see Game 5 of the Dallas Golden State Series. 
The Warriors are currently up 3-1. This game is in Golden State. Looking here at the injury report, Dallas has got zero players listed as injured. Andre Iguodala is still out for the Warriors, and Otto Porter Jr. is listed as day-to-day. The Warriors are favored by six and a half points in this game. Who you got? Uh, I got Golden State. You're welcome, Mike. That, that should give you a little bit of hope, a little bit of a chance. Um, look, I mean, I'm not going to pick against the Warriors here. They, they're up 3-0. I, I felt like for the majority of this series, you know, except for game four, um, the, the Warriors were able to win games even when they weren't playing their best or when everything Dallas was doing everything that they needed to do to win they still weren't able to get enough separation and the Warriors would come back with a big fourth quarter and close things out. So they're at home. Um, you know, I, I think the Warriors starting lineup will play better than they did in game four. And it's going to take the same thing that we always say it's going to take with the Mavs in order to win this game. They've got to hit a ton of threes. Luca's got to be really special and uh, they, they have to do a good job defensively trying to limit some of the Warriors shooters. Clay Thompson is a guy that really needs to step up, in my opinion, in this game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, as Matt says in, or, or sorry, Mike says in the chat, uh, I'm gonna take the Warriors tonight. I, I think they're gonna win by 50 points, maybe, yeah. maybe 60, maybe 70 <laughs> points. Uh, I think it's gonna be a complete blowout. Um, but you're right. The Mavs need to shoot better. <laughs> it's funny. We, we talk about. The Heat, and we talk about the Mavs, and it's basically the same thing for both of these teams, right? Is they need to be more yeah. physical, they need to be healthy, and they need to shoot the three ball extremely well to beat these teams. It's amazing, you know, that we've seen these live by the three, die by the three teams make it so far, right? Because if you look over the past, you know, five, six NBA seasons, there was only re- really one team that lived and died by the three that made it consistently far in the playoffs, and that was the Rockets, right? They just continued to shoot the three ball, and you know they would make it to the playoffs every year. They'd be a high-seeded team, and then they'd fizzle out in the playoffs, and everyone would talk about, do they shoot the three ball too much? Is their style of play uh, work in the playoffs? Now we have two teams, one in each conference, that has shot the ball extremely well and made it to their conference finals what are your thoughts on that and just kind of the way the game is going? Well, certainly the game has changed over the years to where teams just put up a ridiculous number of threes. All, all teams do it. It's not just the Mavericks and the, the Heat. Um, the, the game has absolutely changed in that regard. But I will say that <clears throat> both of these teams are here for other reasons than the fact that they just shoot a lot of threes. They're both really good defensive teams. I mean, Miami does not look like themselves right now, but they're really banged up. They've been one of the better, if not one of the top, you know, four or five defensive teams all year long. Uh, and Dallas has been in that conversation as well. They've really changed uh, the, their style of play over the years, especially this year with Jason Kidd at the helm. Um, they, they've done a lot of really, really good work on both sides of the ball, and, th- and that's why they're in the conference finals. If, and I'm saying if, the Mavericks do win tonight, who do you think is in a better position moving forward, Dallas or Miami? Oh, I would definitely say Dallas, just because they're healthy. Uh, I mean, Tim Hardaway is the only guy that they're missing. He hasn't played in a long time. I'm much more nervous 
about a Miami team that cannot score missing one of their best, their leading scorer all year long in the regular season in Tyler Hero. Uh, and Jimmy Butler not looking like himself. Kyle Lowry doesn't seem to be able to help that much either. So I would definitely say Dallas is in a better spot. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because if Dallas wins tonight, they're basically heading back home for game six versus Miami. If they're able to win game six, they have game seven at home. So it's kind of a toss up for me. I do want to point out what Steven is saying here. The only problem is if Dallas loses, that means there's less basketball. And I hope both series go to seven. That's all that matters to me as well, right? I've been watching all these games with my family and friends, and they're all like, who do you want to win the game? Who do you want? Who do you want? And I'm like, I don't care. I just love basketball. I want to see a good game. I want to see a good series. And and I just appreciate everything that all these players and all these teams are doing. So uh, I do hope they both go to seven games, but uh, we never know here. Um, and I will not pick the Mavericks again just for you, Mike, uh, because every time I pick the Mavericks, they lose, and every time uh, I pick against the Mavericks, they win. So I'm going to continue to pick against the Mavericks here. I do have to say, Calvin, we talked about it or just touched on it earlier in the show here. If Miami does lose this series, you and I are both out on our brackets, right, as far as our our final uh, two teams making uh, the NBA Finals which is absolutely uh, incredible. And it just goes to show how much we really know, right? (laughs) Yeah. We're just fans having fun talking basketball. And it's exciting to see the competitiveness in the league and and everything that's that's going. So it's it's really exciting. And yes, I, I root for more basketball as well. Always. So you got Warriors winning tonight. I agree with you. I do. If you're Jason Kidd, what are you telling your team? Uh, you know, again, I'm not telling my team anything different here. We know we can beat this team. We, we haven't beaten them in San Francisco yet, but we know we can beat this team. We got to play our game, play to our strengths. Luca's got to be big, and, and everybody else has to hit threes. I mean, all these guys, Bertans, Cleaver, Dinwiddie, um, <clears throat> Dorian Finney-Smith, those guys just have to knock down shots. They play their game. We've seen them be able to beat anybody in this league. They're, they're not going to be scared of the Warriors in a closeout game on the road. Uh, Luca is, is definitely going to relish this moment. I think he's probably going to have a huge, huge game. He, we all know his numbers in elimination games. He's been so good. And the Mavericks have been, as a team, really good in these situations as well. So uh, stick to the game plan, play our game, and, and we got a good chance to win. Yeah, 3-0 and in elimination games so far in these NBA playoffs. You got to do it. Yeah, you got to stick to your game plan. Do your thing. Don't get don't get nervous. Don't panic. Uh, I think you still got to go at Draymond Green. You got to try and take that guy out of the game. And then you got to figure out some way to slow down Steph Curry. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, level-headedness. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Probably going to keep going at Jordan Poole yeah. a lot when the Warriors are on defense. Yep. Interesting game. It'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys are all able to watch tonight. Let's jump here into Q&A. So if you guys have questions, we got answers. Go ahead and drop your questions here in the chat and Calvin and I will uh, discuss them all. First up is Key King's thoughts on Lethal Shooter, who is an NBA shooting coach, uh, is known as Lethal Shooter on Instagram, possibly joining the King staff. 
He has stated that an NBA team has given him an offer as a shooting coach. He didn't state which team gave him that offer. But uh, what are your thoughts here, Cal? I think it would be a great move for the Kings. That's the This is the same person that I was talking about with Sabonis earlier, who's working with a new shooting coach. It is Lethal Shooter, as he goes by on Instagram and social media. Um, the, the guy's got a great reputation. I, I think he could help this team a lot, De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. If he could turn them into really good outside shooters, the Kings are a much, much different team. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think it would be a if, great if it move. it is Sacramento that's hiring I think it'd be a great move, and you know, congratulations to him if if he's getting offers, uh, you know, from these teams. If he moves on to to be with any of these teams in the league, congratulations to him. That is definitely, uh, you know, a good accomplishment. I'm looking at it as a little bit beyond just working with Fox and Sabonis. This dude seems to have good relationships with all sorts of NBA players. So if he is able to move into like the Kings coaching staff. Maybe that will help attract some of these guys in free agency to come to Sacramento. That's a good point. All right. Steven says, I think Bonchero got great outside shot and a good ball handler. Uh, you agree with that? Definitely. He's an incredibly skilled big guy. He, he can do a lot of things on the offensive side of the ball. Steven also said, if the Kings stay at four... Uh, and have to get a guard, Murray's the choice. Well, Murray's probably more of a forward in my mind, um, but I love Keegan Murray. Uh, if they end up with him, uh, I'm not going to be disappointed whatsoever. If, if the Kings stay at four, who are you taking at this point? I think, you know, during the lottery, we were both kind of uh, leaning towards Ivy. Has that changed at all for you? I'm leaning more towards Murray now, to be honest with you. I, I think he's the most NBA-ready prospect in the draft. He, he's a guy that can go out and, and score 20 points in an NBA game day one. Okay, exciting. Dabrab's got a question here. What do you think about Victor Oladipo? How much do you think the Kings would have to pay? One year, $15 million realistically, thinking how much do you think he will be or or – he will even be open to the Kings. Well, I think we've heard some rumors that he is interested in joining Sacramento and his buddy, DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, what are your thoughts, Calvin, on, on one year, 15 million? I don't think it's going to take 15 million. That seems very, very high to me. Um, I, I've heard reports from NBA GMs that expect you to be able to get him for a really, really cheap deal, something like a veteran's minimum even possibly. So it, I think it might be an, end up being a little bit more than that, but $15 million is way too high. Uh, I, I would probably be comfortable spending, you know, no more than $5 million on this guy for, for a year. Yeah, the, the health concerns are, are really, you know, the main thing for me. We know he's a great player. Uh, he's done mm -hmm. a lot of things in the NBA, but the best ability is availability. And if the Kings are, are going to sign guys in free agency, they need guys that are going to be able to play on the court for them. If Victor Oladipo is one of those guys, I'm all for it. Um, but you can't afford to pay this guy ten plus million dollars uh, and have him be a liabil liability health wise. Um, it's just not not a great way to build a team. But I do like him a lot. I really do. Yeah, I would definitely be looking at trying to sign him for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> 
All right. Steven says, do you think the NBA should do backyard basketball tournament during the offseason? Not big three, but full court game like a fantasy draft. Yeah, that would be cool. But again, I think we've talked about this as well. That stuff kind of already happens. Um, th- those pickup games in the summer are pretty epic. I-, I wish that somebody would just turn one of those into, you know, a real televised three-day event. Um, it's kind of like a fantasy draft any- anyway already. These guys are just uh, grouping together, and-, and some of those games are pretty legendary. Yeah, it would be exciting to find a way to, you know, show those to bigger audiences. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of these guys, they use the offseason as a, a true offseason, right? They want to take a break. They want to travel for a little bit. They want to spend some time with their family. They want to work out. They want to work on things that they don't have time to work on during the regular season. Uh, Deer and Fox wants to work on his NFT project. So, you know, it's exciting to have more basketball and more tournaments. But I think you got to get the players on board. And uh, I think that would be the most difficult part. I think it would be easier than you think. I mean, yes, these guys do take time to do whatever it is they want to do in the off season and, and live their lives and travel, all that other stuff. But I can't think of an NBA player that doesn't at some point in the summer come back and start working out in the gym again. I mean, if you don't do that, then you probably don't last very long in the NBA. So I think, you know, it would be pretty easy to convince these guys they're, they're already going to be there working out anyway, right? What's what's a couple cameras and, uh, you know, maybe some some fans in attendance? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Are you uh, are you given a, a summer league uh, backyard basketball MVP award or, or what are you doing? I'm not, but the NBA probably will. <laughs> maybe Philadelphia will host it and, and give the award to Joel Embiid or not. There you go. And I think they do like full court fantasy draft. That's pretty much the all-star game, right? Basically, yeah. Steven says, will the Kings attract uh, market-free agents or top five role players? I certainly hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Only time will tell, though. Yeah, I think the the draft is the first question mark for me, right? Because they could potentially add another guy, and and maybe even they have their starting five. If if they add Chet Holmgren or one of these other guys, and they've already decided that Davion Mitchell is going to be the starting two guard, or Dante DiVincenzo, or or maybe even a guy like Terrence Davis, they need to add role players, right? And we haven't seen Sacramento attract top free agents in the past. Maybe Victor Oladipo will come to the team and play six-man. Not really sure, but uh, it is an exciting offseason. And it does start with the NBA draft, which is less than a month away. Steven also wants to know if the Kings should go after John Wall. I would say no. <clears throat> um, the, the Kings are don't need another point guard. You know, it's, it's back to what we talked about all last season. Um, and I, I don't really foresee John Wall playing on a veterans minimum deal like that guy has made so much money over the course of his career. It's just hard to envision him playing for, for that little of a, a contract, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's tough. I, I like John Wall a lot as a player. He was very exciting to watch. When we had Boogie Cousins, I wanted John Wall and Boogie Boogie Cousins to be, you know, yeah. the tandem. They, they played. Oh, yeah, give me prime John Wall all day. They played well in college together, but at this point, 
what is he really going to do? What is he going to bring Sacramento? And is it worth me uh, changing my play style or adjusting my team to fit a guy like John Wall if he's only going to be there for a year or two? Probably not. The Kings are trying to build culture. They're trying to build stability. And that means any guy that we're bringing in right now should be on the team for at least a couple seasons, unless it's a guy like a P.J. Tucker or somebody that's older that's just going to come in for one year and, and kind of fill out a bench spot. But uh, I think John Wall still has a lot to contribute. And uh, I'm keeping my eyes on L.A. because I think he could potentially end up with the Clippers here. Yeah. And if you're the Kings, I don't think you want to make a move right now that would stunt Davion's growth. You know, yep. that that guy showed you a lot last year, especially towards the tail end of last season. Bringing in somebody like John Wall would definitely take minutes away from him. Yep. All right, Mike, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, have fun watching the game. And uh, go Warriors. Uh, Steven says, I wonder if the Blazers will trade Damian Lillard for draft picks. I don't think so. I think they're going to hold on to Dame. Yeah, I, I think if Lillard was going to be traded, you would have already seen that happen. Yeah. When when they were fire sailing at the deadline, he would have been one of those guys to go as well. Yep, yep, I agree. All right, any last questions before we, we end the show here? Um, if you guys got them, let us know in the chat. Otherwise, we are going to wrap it up, and we will be live again tomorrow um hopefully you guys are able to watch the game today have fun enjoy it we only got a few games left until the nba playoffs and then there's seven games max left so make sure you guys stay tuned watch all the games that you can otherwise you're stuck with baseball and hockey and all these other sports that aren't as fun (laughs) to watch they're fun to go to but not as fun to watch as nba basketball All right, I get off at 4 p.m. Central, so I'll make it. All right, awesome. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate you guys so much. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. We will see you all tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully you guys have a wonderful evening. And in the meantime, don't forget to tip your bartender.